Hello, this is the Lunar Poetry Podcast. I'm David Turner, and today I'm joined by Pat Cash. Uh, yeah, I think we're just going to start today with Pat introducing himself for a couple of minutes. Um, hi, I'm Pat Cash. Um, I'm a journalist, performer, and a creative writer. And what uh, transcends the latter two um, of being a performer and a creative writer is uh, being a spoken word poet. And I started off doing uh, spoken word at a night uh, when I lived in Paris um, when I was 25. And I started off doing it at a night named Spoken Word Paris, which was completely open mic, five minutes for everyone. Uh, no one got any more than five minutes. So when I got came back to London, I couldn't find quite the same uh, night with the same ethos, so I decided to set it up with Spoken Word Paris, Paris's blessing, and it's called Spoken Word London, and now I um, I flip between my three roles of journalist, performer, and creative writer um, around town, both in London and Paris. Yeah. Okay, so that leads me on quite neatly to the first question. Um, you just mentioned Spoken Word London, uh, which in my opinion, is the most interesting welcoming open mic night in London, well, North London at least. I really wanted to ask what did you hope to achieve when you started the night and how, if at all, did you want to make it different from other open mic nights in London? I think I wanted to achieve a welcoming, primarily a welcoming atmosphere, mm. um, so just anyone can feel, um, you know, uh, accepted and almost you know, at home at. Um, and and that it, it's it's kind of nurturing idea, yeah. um, that people who who come along, if they're coming for the first time and they've got this poem in their bag and they've never ever read before in their lives, um, and they want to, um, they, they they're, they're really really scared that you know that this night is going to give them the support and uh, and the and the kind of ethos that they can uh, that they can read for the first time um, but also something for established speakers for anybody to come along and, and just be part of something and eventually evolve into um, a little community which it has done which I'm very pleased was, about. Was it like that from the start or did it take a while to get that mix of newcomers and established performers? Well, to start, we, got, we had about like 10 people, yeah. like literally in the, in the corner of, uh, we run it in this basement bar called Vogue Fabrics, which you know, obviously, um, because you've been there a number of times uh, yourself. Um, and, and a uh, number of times as a general punter at a weekend as well. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's another uh, yeah, story. Vogue, Vogue is a yeah, sweaty club at the weekends. Uh, so we take, we, we're like, it's, it's arts relief. Um, during the week, um, yeah, and there were about there were about ten people there, um, and we had there was one amazing girl I can't remember her name. I think it was just like um, an Amory, I think, um, who did a brilliant uh, piece, and it just built up from there. Like we did, we went on to do promoted it over social media mostly. Um, I don't think I've ever done any flyers or posters for it, um, yeah. and. Um, just through Facebook, Twitter, through using the, the group Poetry in London, it's kind of built up over time. And I think it was very, it was very important as well. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to like denigrate any other night in no, London, no, no. but um, why I set it up was I was going around nights in London, and it seems open mics at some nights were kind of tagged on after the hosts had had their friends, you know, sure, to feature, yeah, yeah. Um, which is great. And the features were generally really, really great, but then 
half the audience would leave for the open mic, you know, mm-hmm. and mostly it'd just be the people who were open micing and their friends. Um, so, uh, and and then there were slams, and slams are amazing, and they're really, they can create a really edgy energy and really um, get people on the edge of their seats. But if you're a first-time reader, you're not going to go to a slam and get up there and have to, you know, do your three minutes and then be rated out of ten by, no, you no, know, um, everybody afterwards. Um, so I wanted to create something that was just, you know, uh, equal, an equality ethos. Yeah, I, I think it's the one thing that stood out for me the first time I went to Spoken Word London was uh, the, the the feeling that you could just get up. It felt like a true Spoken Word night rather than a poetry night. Mm. Although you're free to obviously come and read poetry, it felt like you could come along and just use your voice in any way you chose to. And it, and it was really, um, it, yeah, it really stood out in my mind. Uh, that's definitely the thing I mean like, I call it a poetry performance night because it is completely open mic like anyone could, as long as it's got some form of you know verbal communication mm. uh, you can come and do it it's, it's, I'm not going to uh, no one's going to come up and you know and push you off if you decide to just you know speak yeah. naturally and just and a lot of people well, we've had a lot of people in the past who have done you know it's, it's not kind of like this has to be spoken word poetics and you, you tend to get quite a good crowd there of people that are coming just to watch as well don't you which is yeah. I think because of that blend of because it's not strictly speaking a poetry night it doesn't put off people coming just to watch or entertain themselves you know I think the five minute thing kind of um, adds to that as well because people know that there's generally and, it's, and but we're really lucky and, and I'm, I'm honoured that there's been so many great people of such such top-notch uh, calibre who that, that have been there and have taken their slots um, but also it appeals to the audience in a way because uh, number one they're going to hear like a multifaceted you know uh, hundred-headed uh, um, uh, kind of like um, uh, concept of voices um, through the evening but also if they don't like if they're not particularly engaged by one speaker, then there's the five minute rule means that the, that speaker will be gone relatively quickly yeah, you, you and you someone just, else will be yeah, up. They're not going to be there patience for, and, for yeah. 25 minutes yeah. listening to this person. Um, so that, that kind of, you know, the, the rapidity of it also appeals um, to people. But I, I would like to say that the number one factor of appeal is the inclusiveness. Great. I think uh, next I'd like to talk about your own poetry and uh, what what I've seen of it, which is quite a bit now. But your your poetry often has a strong sort of social mm. message to it. Um, two parts to this question. Is, is that a, a very conscious decision? And uh, why do you choose the spoken word scene as a platform to discuss these particular issues? Um, yeah, definitely now it's a very conscious decision. Um, I don't want to take I'm conscious of it. I don't, I, this, this answer could go on forever so I'll try and keep it succinct um, but uh, when I started off in Paris I started, a lot of my poetry was uh, personal kind of like I guess the word would be epistolary you know to somebody written with the you with the kind of like um, the neutral pronoun um, never like he or boy but I am gay, and I'm, and but and I was out as gay at the time in Paris. But when I was, uh, you know, expressing myself 
down on the page for for some of the first times in terms of like, I've always been a writer beforehand when I worked on prose beforehand like um, it's when I was expressing a spoken word when I was actually going to be I knew it was going to be shared in front of an audience I still wouldn't use you know writing about like a past love or something I wouldn't use it okay. um, and I think that's because I still did have some uh, hang-ups about my sexuality at that time and then I came back to London and I started working for a gay magazine as a journalist in uh, which is at the heart of the gay community in London and a lot of the issues that I'm dealing with daily um, involve home internalized homophobia, uh, shame about uh, about gay men's uh, you know lingering yeah. shame about gay men's sexuality and about sex you know about gay sex because mm. we live in a very uh, in a world very heteronormatively infused with with sex to sell you know advertising to sell toothpaste even you know like sure. it's, it, it's, um, and 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 on billboards you know when you go past. Um, whereas you know, gay sex, gay male sex is particularly like under the table um, still. It's, it's a case of like, you know, yeah, grateful of gay marriage, you know, like, but uh, no sex, please, boys. Um, uh, it sometimes feels like, anyway. Um, so I had to, dealing with all these issues and writing about them daily, um, that became a step to. To, to I can't do this neutral gender gender neutral pronoun anymore. I've got to make it explicitly about being gay, and I've got to take a make a voice for so, for so did becoming involved with the spoken word or performing your own poetry did that help you come to terms with any issues that you had to yourself? Personally, did it help you overcome or definitely? Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. And it's it's the way of it's also in terms of who you can reach as an audience and it's a way it's about inclusivity I mean I do hasten to add not all my poetry is about gay stuff no. um, but, but a lot of it I, is. I, I, was, I did makes, want to make that yeah, point quite yeah, early on yeah. I, did, you are not, I, I didn't invite you here yeah. as that gay poet that I know yeah. you know it isn't that it's you, no. I, I do think you're a very talented poet and I, I'm, I'm, these issues that you're talking about aren't solely because you're a gay man are they the ideas of masculinity and, and gender roles these affect everyone yeah, you know exactly there's there's a lot of that and then there's a lot about um division social division i think um that there is ongoing um social division between minorities and minorities against one another and that you know i guess if i wanted to sound a little bit like hippie like um uh, my ultimate like underneath everything that i write is a call for harmony yeah. greater harmony um and yeah, it is about it, it. And so, because a lot of spoken word audiences are largely um, straight, then I will. I am performing. I am bringing a voice of gay people. Of uh, when I do LGBT issues, I'm bringing an LGBT voice to. Uh, actually, actually, that that might be a good point to go on to the next question. No, actually, it's, it's um, so having spoken to many performers about this um, perceived lack of social commentary in mm. spoken word uh, somehow people are perhaps not political enough this is just one view and it's not an issue whether that's true or not it's just this per perceived idea most have sort of agreed that the, the best place to seek out that kind of poetry is within the lgbt community yes. and do you do you agree with that or do you think that it's just um those outside of that community mistakenly categorise poetry touching on those issues as being social commentary rather than just a, it could be a, do you understand what I mean? It could be, mm. you yourself could get up and, and tell a poem, read a poem about 
um, your sex life or issues around that. Mm. Um, it may be a deeply personal poem to you, but others may mistakenly read it as some sort of social or political acting. You know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's. If you're giving a voice to a minority group, it's always going to be a um, a slightly political act, however personal it is, because often the most personal poems will deal with, well, from my experience in the LGBT community, will deal with feelings of rejection or inferiority or having been um, sidelined in any way uh, growing up, either by being sidelined, um, by being actually homophobically bullied or sidelined as in having to stay in the closet and act to avoid that. Um, and then in that sense, you, you do, you, because you're talking about however personal it is to you, it is, it, it's still something that is a commentary upon wider society and the flaws in mm. wider society and the division in wider society that exist and therefore that's always going to be political um, but I think also it's about voices it's about being heard it's about coming coming out with your like literally coming out with your uh, with your words um, bit from from being smothered you know I remember talking to Jacob Joyce who's a, who's a regular yes. at Spoken Word London a brilliant regular at Spoken Word London and has hosted it for us um, and, and we uh, sorry, I think it's good just to mention Jacob for a second. If people yeah. want to find him, because I think the issues we're talking about is a really great place to look for this kind of poetry. He he performs under. You can find him under. Is it Silk? Silk Word. Silk on, Word, isn't it? On Facebook. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Just. Um, um, he's also got a, a website. I think it's jacobvjoyce.com. Yeah. Um, and I was interviewing Jacob. Um, about actually about race, about LGBT community mm. and race uh, a while back, and because uh, and a lot of Jacob's poetry um, deals with race politics, um, and I was saying, well, he he made he made a comment of like, if you are, um, it was it was about like our. Are black people more homophobic? Is that because because there's a stereotype that homophobia is more ingrained in the black community? Mm. And he said, "No, I think they're louder. Like you know that 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 girl on the bus, that black girl on the bus is going to be louder um, because she's grown up with no Disney princesses, black. You know, like and no yes. voice, yeah. and no because and if if you've grown up with no voice, then you're going to you know use your own voice louder in in society in general, and therefore you might hear things you know like um, like like slurs more. And I think that that is applicable. Um, that scenario that Jacob Jacob uh, brings up is is applicable to you know the the idea of LGBT people in spoken word you know there, there are I, I say the audience is straight I was thinking of like because they're different nights like they're um, like if I go to Until the Lights Goes Out for sure. instance I think most the majority of the audience there is straight actually in spoken word London probably about half the audience is gay you know mm. like there's a, cause, but, it's a very mixed audience yeah, there, isn't it? yeah. Um, I don't I don't know if half of it I mean maybe but it's, yeah there's a lot it attracts a lot, a lot of gay people and it attracts all kind of minorities like along which I really love and I really think is great and, and that's a Thing. Sorry, I don't want to. No, go on, go on. But um, um, the yeah, it's 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 yeah about uh, um, different groups, different factors, different 
um, elements of of the city of the city of London coming together. I think that's why it's called Spoken by London and different you know threads intertwining. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, now I want to move on to. Um, similar to what we've been talking about now but really where your poetry strikes me the most or affects me the most is when you talk of issues that you face as a man mm. regardless of your sexuality or your background or you know um, or your alter ego Patricia I'd like to talk about that <laughs> later because she's fantastic but um, this idea of masculinity mm. and uh, the expectation placed on men and boys to conform to certain gender roles um, uh, I was going to ask if, if this was a sh subject you'd like to see more poets discussing but I think we've probably agreed mm. that that probably it would be a good thing but I, do you think because we're all up at the mic as it were talking I'm talking about um, male um, performance just for the moment mm. um but this could be applicable to females as well, just mm -hmm. the other way around. Um, and we're up there talking about our feelings, um, that there's a mistaken belief that we're all too well-adjusted to discuss these topics. Do you know what I mean? Like, we're all seen as well-adjusted boys because we're talking about our feelings. So Because, because we're taking the, the step of... Of know, getting up uh, and talking uh, about and things. Talking, that, yeah, and, you know. and, and, and you know, taking that, that communi communication. Yeah. Um, Yes, but you know, people can still. I've still seen people get up, uh, get up on the stage. We were talking just now about a guy who um, I didn't see him, but you, mm. you, you would before before this yeah. podcast started. You were saying about a guy who got up and uh, spoke a pro UKIP poem, <laughs> essentially. And you know, UKIP. I mean, they I've, they seem to be a group that are pro division. I mean, they want to take us out of Europe, and they also like they also. You know, if you go but if you type in UKIP like uh, yeah. to any kind of news websites, if you go back far enough, I mean, even recently, and you will find the most racist, homophobic, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, transphobic mm. uh, stuff coming out. I mean, it's it's. So, um, in terms of people, performers um, getting up on the stage, it, it depends. It depends the content. I don't. Mm. I don't think getting up on the stage is is something that you can say. I do spoken word, and therefore yeah. I am connected with my. No, no, no. So that's what I, I'm know. just thinking that there may be this mistaken belief that, um, and that's maybe why these things aren't talked. It may just be through embarrassment that guys won't get up and talk about issues of masculinity because ultimately they come back to perhaps a, an acceptance of a certain level of femininity you know finding that balance between what's a healthy level of yeah. which we've without referring to too much stuff that's happened we've talked about before this podcast yeah. and we've discussed this idea before about this need for a, a healthier view uh, in society for the way men behave particularly towards women and yeah. other groups of society I think we do live. We do live in in a patriarchy mm. um, where power is, uh, you know, uh, automatically placed upon the, the male um, from an early age. 
Um, and, and so but boys are growing up told they need to be strong, they need to be big and they need to be muscled and they need to be the action man, you know, and that, you know, things like flowers and things like, you know, uh, the colour pink and, um, you know, the, the, just almost things like kindness and, you know, being gentle and, and having some kind of tenderness around you are girly, effeminate yeah. things that, you know, that shouldn't be part of your butch mm. um invincible masculinity and that's quite unhealthy i think for for a lot of children to be to be brainwashed into for any child to be brainwashed into into thinking because in your in your later psychology you know you 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 eschew anything that might be that might allow you to uh, to accept and and talk about things and and bring A greater idea of of acceptance, I guess, of acceptance of of because I, and because we're all supposed to. I mean, like if you if you go into into gender theory, we're all we, there, there, there aren't these two binaries of. I mean, Judith Butler is, 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 is it's about it's a construct and it's performative. Perform, performativity, sorry, yeah. um, you know, and so there isn't like male this side. I just hit the table with my left hand, and you know, I'm female. Um, I just hit the table with my right hand on this side. Um, there, we we are on this spectrum that's between us. But if you have, an I mean, it's almost creating a split personality with with boys. Again, if I go, if you're brought up and told, you know, like get rid of this, get rid of this, get rid of this, get rid of this, but they're an innate part of yourself already, then you're really kind of like fucking someone up psychologically. Mm. You know. So I think there's a lot of like um, insecurities about masculinity going on in this kind of like strange, weird um, uh, patriarchy that we live in, and that. And that can, you know, be brought out, and because, and that's oppressive for a straight white man, you mm. know, that that they got all this social pressure around them, so that can find its 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 outlet in, um, and you know, Panty Bliss says in her Panty Bliss is this drag queen from Ireland. She says this. Um, that, um, well, she, she actually no, sorry, it's RuPaul. It's RuPaul okay. from RuPaul's uh, Drag Race. Um, he he as as a man, I can't remember what his name is, um, but he's he's incredibly intellectual and um, and eloquent. And when he was interviewed, he was like, "People have been oppressed. Take on the elements of their oppressors." Um, so you know, even the straight white male that boy growing up in our society is taking on elements of oppression that he's going to sure. um, uh, he's going to you know uh, bring out as mm. uh, into outlets of, of oppressing others um, so to go back to your original question of um, masculinity and um, and how uh, yeah I mean I think for myself personally um, with when dealing with my sexuality when I was uh, coming up to uh, coming out in my late teens it was incredibly important I mean I took it as a re real compliment if I told someone at a party and uh, you know I, I I was gay and they said like I would never have realized and I, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. like oh that's that's amazing that's yeah, so important yeah, yeah. you know because no one's I'm never going to be camp I'm never going to be effeminate yeah. but actually that was me you know like there was a combination of, of what yeah, I was yeah. just talking about about sure, taking yeah. on, uh, the elements who just trying to conform and yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah so uh, but now i've completely changed that and i, I completely um, yeah. um take on all elements of um 
of my femininity and masculinity. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, this is Hate uh, by Pat Cash. I've been thinking a lot lately about hating. What eats at the heart of hate? Because you know I hate people every day. I hate tourists on Oxford Street. I hate children on the tube. And I hate slow walkers stopping me getting to my train. I want to grab their faces, say with all that rage is, get out of my fucking way. But I don't because I know my hatred is a ghost. It's a quick flick switch, a brief lit wick. It's a fake shade of hate, just a frustration of place. Don't get me wrong, I'm not a saint. I dislike a fair few people. But that's not the same as hating. That's not the same as wanting to stamp on their faces. Because hate is always going to hate, they say. And in some places, if you ain't got hatred, you ain't got status. So let's play with the face of hate. Hate me for a moment. Hate everything I am. Hate me because I am different to you. Hate my words and my brothers too. Hate me for my body that ends at my fingertips. Hate my skin, my pigmentation. Hate me for the sensations I share with another in bed. Hate me for my private moments. Hate my thoughts and fears and dreams. Hate the man I might yet be. And then take your hate away and make it something great. Nurture your hatred. Feed it and mould it like clay. Sculpt it like glass being blown until it fits the shape of your soul. And hate will heat you in the cold. Hate will be there when you're alone. And at this point, I would speak of the crimes of hate. Of a woman in Iran stoned because she was raped. Of screaming ugly at a woman in a magazine. Of misshapen faces and mistaken shame. And this, this poem is about hate crime, but it's also about why. It's about Cameroon, Uganda and Russia. It's about a neighbour hating another. It's about LGBT. It's about immigrants. It's about the UKIP and the EDL and the Pontons Francais and the black boys shot on the streets in the USA. It's about transgendered camps in Greece and anti-Semitism in Hungary. It's about hospitals being blown up in Palestine. It's looking at a human race that sometimes seems consumed and wasted by hatred. It's standing up to that and saying, yes, I am not afraid. Uh, I think I'd like to talk a bit now about your work as a journalist. Um, uh, I suppose the, f the first question, just the simple thing, is: um, d d Does your work as a journalist influence your poetry, or vice versa, or do they just exist as two separate natural outlets for you to discuss and explore topics? Like? <coughs> um, generally, I try to keep them separate. Mm. But if I'm writing an article about, um, like I wrote an article, uh, having just spoken about um, the masculine masculinity yeah. um, subject, um, I wrote a poem called Real Man, which was about a a gay man who who's going around telling himself that he's telling everyone that he's a real man, you know, yeah, like yeah. And, he, and he's choosing any feminine qualities, but actually he's a drag queen. But then he's actually a boxer as well, and yeah. so as he goes as a drag queen to become a boxer to go on to fight as a drag queen boxer yeah. in a in a um uh, in a in a boxing ring, um, 
Um, some of the lines in there are taken directly from an article I wrote about doing drag and about these like, issues mm. of like of of in gay male world of why on one side everyone loves drag and everyone embraces it and the other side everyone's like mask uh, you know on grinder which is yeah, this yeah, gay yeah. app. Um, there's it's like you know must be masculine, no femmes, no you know gesticulations, etc. Yes, yeah, you know, yeah. get rid of your. Who, who's the, who's the poet Keith? Keith uh, J. Keith J. He does a fantastic poem about you know um, uh, I think it's sort of loosely based on Grinder, but it's basically yeah. all the things that that person doesn't want you know it can't be can't yeah. be feminine can't be camp, can't, yeah. can't be can't be black sorry just my preference and all that and it, it's yeah. just a fantastic he did poem. it at Velvet Tongue that's right yeah yeah, 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 yeah I really, I really like that Yes, yeah, so sometimes, um, sometimes inevitably, uh, what I'm writing about journalistically will uh, will you know find an outlet also in my spoken word. Um, but generally, yeah, I, I I keep it. And do you do mostly of your writing for one publication, or do you? Yeah, do, I do work I work like to um, full time to um, uh, to pay the rent during a day, yeah. um, but also because I enjoy it. For this magazine sure. called QX, which is QX. like the uh, which is uh, the gay community magazine, um, but. Uh, yeah, and outside uh, outside of it, I write for various other publications as well. Yeah, and uh, just because I saw you on like so for the Lunar uh, magazine launch last, we're recording this on Friday. It was last Sunday. Whatever mm. that date was, I can't remember what it was. Anyway, and Pat came along and and you uh, did a short story. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, what? I'm I'm quite interested because my a lot of the stuff I do is quite rambling and there's not really mm. poetry as such anymore. Mm. Um, do, do you see that as a because when you introduced the the piece or you suggest that you ask the audience do you want a story or a poem? Yeah. It sort of led me to believe like in that situation probably maybe just on that stage you felt like you had to have permission to read a story. Is that? Right, or just yes. getting the wrong impression? Right. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because so, it was lunar poetry. It was a poetry night. Yeah, yeah. But then I'd just written, I just finished the story that day, and yeah. so I was like, you know, do I... Yeah, but do you, in your own mind, see the stories and the poems as separate things? Um, for I, mean, it's, I mean, as physical structures, they are different things, mm. but, um, you know, in terms of creative uh, outlets. Yes. Yeah, you for myself, yeah, 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 definitely. I mean, I know if I'm writing a poem, I know if I'm writing a short story. Oh, is that, it's, okay. a, it's a different yeah, thing. Yeah. I, yeah. I don't see that, but um, that's just a personal thing. Yeah. Um, right, but you know, poems can have stories in them. Poem, the poem that you can have a narrative poem that is a story, but it's just, it's the structure. Yeah, I yeah. I think perhaps my, and this will become quite clear in the next. Uh, yeah few minutes that my mind rambles too much to see, see, see a difference <laughs> when I start writing I have no idea what's, what's going on right so I'm going to basically ask you some rambling and pretty leading questions because um, you know I've frankly made a lot of assumptions as to what your answers might be um, right so actually some a very common thing just because it was a very big issue in um, the first two issues of the Lunar Poetry uh, magazine. There was an article split up into two, which was written by Paul, uh, the editor. Um, there's this question about uh, page versus stage. Um, in that, you know, some poets see their work as printed, and some 
like myself, I, I, I don't submit my work for publication, it just exists on the mm-hmm. stage. Um, is this an issue for you and do you think it's an issue at all for the spoken word scene in, in a wider, wider view? Um, and would you change your writing style depending on whether the poem were only to be printed or performed? No, definitely not. I wouldn't change it a you bit. Wouldn't change no, um, if it's if it works on the stage and people connect with it and people um, people hear it as they hear it, then it's going to work on the page as well. There's no reason why it won't. No. And I think it, it only exists in kind of like other people's minds. Why, if there's a difference between page and stage, mm-hmm. um, of course there are kind of like in, you will get pedants about meter and about you know like um, you know oh, I am big pentameter etc. Yeah. But you know I think that's all in the past. We need to be going forward. And People keep challenging me to write sonnets. I, I still don't know what one is, but okay. <laughs> I, I've never written a sonnet in my life, but I think and I don't intend to start now. Yeah, I think they're just going to find it hilarious. Yeah. I think that's all it is. I think um, it can be very imprisoning. Yeah, sometimes it can be great, but mm. you know, I mean, one of the best poets, in my uh, opinion, one of the best poets in the world is T. S. Eliot. Mm. He never used, you yeah, know, yeah. and he always used free verse. I think actually, it's a good point that you make about it existing in other people's minds. I, I tend to find that. When you, whenever anybody says, "Oh, there, there is an issue, this page versus stage issue that exists," and you ask them, "Does it? What do you think that?" and they will always say inevitably, "No, no, no. Other, some other people think that." And mm-hmm. I've never found those other people that I don't think anyone really does think. It. I think there's this idea that there's a problem or there's an issue, but it yeah. doesn't really exist because, I mean, frankly, why should it? I mean. Uh, I have noticed for myself if I tell people that I write some pieces only only to be performed I think they assume that I've got a problem with things being printed and it's not that at all it's just I choose no. I mean not... I think this is all kind of like um, not not to not to downplay your, yeah, what, yeah. what you're saying um, but in general in, in, in the kind of like in the, in the general vision of things this is all superfluous you know uh, kind of fluff around yeah, yeah, yeah. around you know a core and at the core is honesty and if you have honesty then yeah. it's it's there yeah. um, so there's no issue with page or stage no, it's no, just no, about no. being honest or not yeah. honest um, this is going to seem as equally as fluffy I'm sure <laughs> but it's you know it's something that comes up and um, people it seems to be an issue for some people, but this uh, thing of reading from paper or reciting from memory, and it does. This actually does divide uh, some performers, and they will yeah. admit to not liking when someone gets up with paper. And what's quite funny is that um, some people just about to accept reading from paper, no. but if you dare try and read from an iPhone. <laughs> <laughs> like that's just yeah. to be the worst thing you could ever do. Yeah. But how? I mean, do you have, do you have any feelings? I mean, I, I think I know what your answer is, but like, do you have any feelings on on it? Because I think it probably puts a lot of people off if they think this this issue exists. I read from paper all the time. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, it does create a better freedom of movement and I yeah I would definitely say a better for you when I've memorised a poem yeah. and when I'm doing it from memory to the audience I can connect more I can see their eyes I can mm. I can really talk to them um, the paper is binding and it means that you have to kind of like you know um, go back refer back to it um, and so you have to like you know take away your connection to the audience while you're on stage sure. to connect with the paper mm. um, which is you have to be 
which which can be you know it's risky because you can lose the audience in doing that if you look if you look at it too much and um, but if you have a supportive audience which we do at Spoke Word London I mean almost everyone reads from paper at, at, um, at Spoke Word London and that's and iPhones as well and it, <laughs> there's no difference between the paper and the iPhone <laughs> if you're reading you're reading I mean I, 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 anyone who says this has some kind of like um, um, kind of like hang up about that it really needs to check themselves in some way I think that really um, the reason I brought these two points up because yeah. even though they seem maybe a little bit yeah ridiculous to you and I. I know what, no 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 I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm sorry I was just just, yeah. just one second I think because like we discussed before we started recording I, I'd like this podcast to be for anyone that's either involved have been involved with spoken yeah. word for a long time a short time or not at all and I think issues like this issues that don't really exist can put people off of starting and I think it's important that maybe yeah. someone might hear this and actually realise that it doesn't matter if I'm too nervous to memorise a poem. I can read from paper and it's okay, you know. Re- re- yeah, definitely. Read from paper. But if it's just enough, read from paper, read yeah. from paper, read from paper. Do not do not put extra pressure on yourself. It's nerve-wracking enough going up yeah. and and speaking in front of an audience in the first place. Do not put extra pressure on yourself to memorise stuff. I've seen some amazing people, with amazing poets, uh, who have amazing poems. I've spoken with London where it's probably... I mean, I'm not trying to honk my own horn, yeah, but yeah. Like, it is a really supportive, like loving kind mm. of friendly audience whenever it's like there's like a, there's a newcomer everyone's like yeah, 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 yeah. like I'm really kind of like giving it <clears throat> giving them all the, all the strength and support they can but like they still it's still you're in front of you've got all these faces staring at you yeah. and you know and you if you make it's happened to me before I made eye contact with someone while I'm, I'm trying to read something from memory it's this cosmic blast you know in my in my head everything's gone and literally and, and some people I've seen like bring it back and they can stand there and close their eyes and be like I, I can't it, no. after after it's gone it's gone yeah. I have to I have to get out yeah, my yeah. phone scroll which is really embarrassing yeah, yeah, scroll yeah. through <laughs> looking for it or um, or just stop it there mm. um, yeah and, and you know I'm doing it you know I've been doing spoken word for I'm 27 now I've been doing it for a good like, two and a half years I guess yeah. um, and I'm only just getting to the point where I, I can do stuff from memory yeah. you know it takes a, it takes a long time um, and yeah so definitely do just, not listen yeah, to anybody no, just last weekend actually I was at um, platform one which uh, is at the Poetry Cafe on a Saturday evening, um, the first, no, anyway, one, one Saturday uh, per month. And Niall O'Sullivan got up and did a 10 minute set or 15 minute set. And for those who don't know, Niall O'Sullivan is the host of Poetry Unplugged. He's been the host for about 357 years or something. Yeah. And he's fantastic and an amazing poet. Mm-hmm. And got up and said, the first thing he said was, I used to read from memory, but now I have a baby. And I know uh, now all I can remember is the like the theme tune to I don't know whatever yeah. whatever children's program there is now yeah. and uh, and he did the whole set from paper and it didn't yeah. it didn't break down because he had the confidence to read from paper yeah. and not worry too much yeah. you know and it worked out fine yeah. I think personally I would have liked to have seen him do it without paper but then you know it didn't ruin the poems you know it- at all. Of course yeah. not, yeah, and and because that's that's the, I mean the performance is 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 it's, it's called performance poetry for a reason. Yeah. I mean, the performance is part of it, but like you know, there's the, but there's at, at its the performance is probably about 
25 percent 30 percent at its heart it's yeah. it's that it's it's what I, like um going back to the paid stage thing i'll say the same thing like if anyone said like what's good spoken word there's no good spoken mm. word there's no bad spoken word it's honest spoken yeah, yeah, word. Yeah. and if you've got that honesty it mm. doesn't matter the little details surrounding it yeah. the superfluous fluff yeah even. i think the reason maybe the reason it gets brought up as an issue for me because i i it, so very very rarely read from paper people assume mm. that I have a problem with people reading from paper yeah. but the only reason I don't read from paper is because half the time it isn't written down yeah. so I don't have anything to read but that's you know it's everyone doing their own thing and th- th- I think that's one thing that I tried to hold in my when I was writing was that idea that if if what I was writing was honest you know I could I can handle people telling me the technique is slightly wrong you know, or I could have changed this word for that word or, you know, put a slightly longer pause in. But no one could ever tell me it wasn't true yeah. to, to what I felt, you know. I mean, and, yeah. and I think yeah. you're right. And, and you made an excellent point there. I think it, all these issues are just so they're really meaningless. It's the words, though. And it's sort of, it just, sometimes in spoken word, you get this sense of like an old boys club and they're trying to impose certain rules. Mm. Certain, you know, because... It, I don't know why it should be all inclusive which is why I love your night and hopefully our lunar lunar nights are going to become the same and yeah. there's apparently a night down in Oval and a silence or something <laughs> I don't know this is very which good is, yeah. <laughs> really really great guy. <laughs> you can find that on yeah. face or something yeah. um, anyway let's move on from yeah. that rubbish uh, right so the next question uh, to which I'm assuming your answer will be that depends because of seems like the fairest answer but you know if you could maybe elaborate a little bit either way um do you write with the intention to perform or do you allow the performance to suggest itself after you've written a poem well that's an interesting question um i think i let performance suggest itself okay um but you know if i was saying like my uh, poem on hate yes. like once when i'm writing that it does have shorter lines than I usually write because it's got that kind of balance, you know, kind of um, a fiery, hate-filled essence to mm. it in the in the in the way that it's written. Even though it's not it's not about hating sure. people, it's a, it's an anti-hate poem, mm. you know. But it, yeah, that that seeps into it as I was writing. And I remember I wrote it on like an afternoon in my bedroom, like yeah. you know, I had the, the day off work or something, um, and. Um, and yeah, and then that that comes across because it, it, in your performance, because your it, shorter lines create more kind of sense of. Um, do, you, do you do you find the physical look then of a poem, it as it helps you to cue your performance in some way, is yes. or maybe just in um, that sense? But or... I think that, so. I've never thought about it. That explicitly, the physical mm. look from the how, but maybe subconsciously, you, yeah. you, you, as you do it more, you will begin as, and you can see it on the page if you're reading from the page, yes, yeah. um, and uh, you will see, you will know which breaths to take like, yeah. and how big your breath is, yeah, and, you know, like, because as you do anything, as you practice anything, you become better at mm. it, and your, your brain becomes attuned to it. Sure, I guess, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, I would say, yeah, that, um, yeah, but generally, I let the performance just happen and, and on the night, yeah. Um, and sometimes I get overwhelmed by something. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, which is like because write stuff that's very emotional to me. Like, and it's not it's not like a, a gimmick like that mm. I do. But um, if I'm in an emotional no, no, I think anyway, that, that you're yeah. one of the few performers I've seen get truly properly emotional. 
There was one time nice. when I just... <laughs> no, no, but yeah. I, it, and I think it's really admirable, you know, that you do let yourself get into the moment mm-hmm. like that. You know, because I know from my, from my own experience, you know, even though I write quite emotionally charged stuff, yeah. it doesn't always grab you because sometimes you're too in the moment. It takes a lot of courage to let yourself, one, concentrate on what you're reading and two, let yourself go with the emotion as well because yeah. it's quite terrifying to let that happen because you don't know how far it's going to go. Or, yeah. So do you find, does it take much uh, practice to find, to to polish a particular performance or a uh, how, uh, performance of a a poem. No. Do you find it comes quite naturally? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've always I do I am like a performer outside of spoken word yeah, yeah. poetry as well. So it that I think that definitely and helps mm. uh, in terms of performance. Um, but yeah, it, it, it yeah it just comes naturally. Yeah, I think I think that's the best way of doing it rather than. Um, you know, just kind of rehearse. I mean, I think definitely if you memorise something and you want to rehearse it, actually, you know, yeah, I say it comes naturally, um, but I could be a lot better if I did, you know, stay in my bedroom and, and, you know, rehearse it in front of a mirror. The thing is, it's better, the question is then better in what way, isn't it? You know, what... Better in terms of, in terms of rehearsed performance, definitely. I know, but then is that, is that... A goal. Yeah, exactly. You know, or maybe for, I would lose that essence exactly, of, of yeah, naturalism yeah. Um, about it, um, and that, and that kind of like connectivity, mm. which is that raw connectivity. Yeah. So I prefer to keep that. I think. Yeah. Um, this is "Gaze the Word" by Pat Cash. Fuck, Putan, Merd, Minkia, Vavanculo, Cock, Cunt. Swear words have such immense potency in any tongue packed with power like a punch. They're the words of pain, of fury screaming. They're bad, they're naughty, they're the words of sex, horny and grinding and fucking good. Oh, they're rude and they're puerile, but they're apexes of emotion and a sort of tears. How many broken hearts have been tattooed with fucking cunt on their cracks and shards? And when I say these words, when I let my tongue run over cunt, or lick the K in fuck, I am consciously stepping out of rules. Said what can't be said before watershed, how did we lend these words their split and spit? Because they're just words, just ripples of ships in the night. Gay, 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 gay. 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 If you repeat a word too many times, you begin to defy how it's defined. Erase the world of the word. Bathe it of meaning, no longer sign nor signified, until it becomes just sound. Noise of nature like whistling winds. Wolves howling at the moon, the tethered growl of the human throat. But if I say gay now, just once, it echoes with resonance in my mind. Rich, deep, dark, 
vibrating like a harp string, a word that strangely tied and still binds me, and I never wanted to be a gay writer, the gay poet with my gay poems, yet my writing and the words I use are in a way a form of fighting, to elevate gay, negate any shame, and I fear the fight won't end in my life. For in Russia, they give gay such power that the word can't be spoken on the streets. Gay a word like a lightning strike on minds, fizzing, sparking, a Catherine wheel at night, black witches spell cast by blacker witches who can't be heard nor spoken by children. Yet here gay is on children's lips each day, a word fallen swift, quick like sharp-shaped darts, word to cloak the disliked and dispossessed, noun for the rubbish, for useless and sad, Gay is for the lame, it trips off the tongue. That's so gay. You're so gay. You are such a gay. Weird oxymorons. My parents are so gay. And it becomes a word with hooks like fawns. Because to state I'm gay in youth culture is not he who I love is a man like me. It's to say I am rubbish. I am lame. What strange, very brave words just to say gay. How do you view your relationships to, uh, relationship to an audience? Um, do you view them like as a necessity in that if they weren't there buying drinks or tickets, you'd have no venue to read in or, you know, do you, do you hope to interact with or connect with them in some way? Oh, definitely. I mean, yeah. of course, well, you hope you hope that you're going to connect with them. Yeah. Um, I think audience are a necessity. Yeah, I mean, in terms of like spoken word before, in terms of performance, you need you need an audience. Even if it's just one person, you know. It's like Peter Brooks says about the empty space. You know, you can yeah. create drama if one person sits and watches yeah. a man walk across a room. Um, but you know, that's that, that's you need those two people. You need the watcher and you need the watched. <coughs> um, you can't create you. Is it perform? I mean, this is very philosophical. Yeah. I mean, like, is it performance if you're just in your room doing it to yourself? I mean, like, is it? Yeah, if a tree falls over in a forest. Yeah. Does it make a noise? Um, and there's no one around to hear it. You know. Um, um, I think yeah. So an audience is necessary to yeah. to make a succinct answer yeah. to 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 a, to a potentially complex question. Um, and is do I want to connect with? Yeah, of course. I mean, like, there's no reason that you do it if you didn't want to connect with the audience, um, because otherwise. Yeah, if you read something that's false and doesn't connect with your audience, then you know you 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 feel like you've wasted your time. Mm. Are you? I suppose that the, what one question would be that the reason I've got these questions in my, in my mind is for a future podcast, I'm going to be interviewing a couple of uh, poets that think very differently differently on this subject, mm -hmm. and while. Obviously, the audience. If you if you accept that the audience has to be there for it to be a performance, without being you know, don't go into that philosophical question of whether they could not exist. Right? If they're going to exist, can you perform and disregard them? So there's this this no, question. Not for me personally. No, no. I mean, I love my audience yeah, yeah. as well. You know, I'm not saying that because I'm. <laughs> I love my fans, um, but like, no, but like, you, you have to have like for for my personal style. Of, and I and I hate talking like this because it does it sounds quite divisive, um, but for for my experience, I guess, mm. 
I was spoken word I do I you have to empathize with your audience as well like and that's how you connect with them and like, and because you and you empathize with your in fact the act of writing is an act of empathy with your audience because you know it you know you're going to be writing it out so you have to think from their point of view as well mm. as well as getting that emotional truth um you have to, you have to think of what the, how they're going to hear it and and in performance you 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 create a sense of empathy because as much as spoken word i I say this a lot as much as spoken word is about speaking it's about listening yes you know and it's about creating and that's why i think it's popular particularly amongst our generation of those well to anybody but particularly amongst our generation in people in their 20s who are growing up with quite a capitalist corporate Mm -hmm. world it's creating a sense of empathy and through that creating a sense of understanding of each other and a sense of community yeah. which is very important I agree with you and I'm also very happy that you put me in that generation of people, <laughs> people in their 20s <laughs> <laughs> I, <thought you> <laughs> well, I may as well be okay. <laughs> I'm immature enough to be actually just one one short question to tack on to the end of that does, how much does the audience um, influence the way you perform um, and the the audience's reactions influence your subsequent writing afterwards, you know? I don't think it influences my writing in particular. Like, if you... If, if I read a poem, say, at a night... <laughs> I mean, it's unlikely that you're going to like touch wood, and I won't find a special word like this. But a night where they were like deeply homophobic, and they would like bottled me off the stage yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I'm not going to go back and be like, okay, I can never write about gay issues again. Um, you know, and but sometimes you will read out something that won't connect with yeah. uh, with your audience. Um, then I think you should try it again at a different night and see if it connects to the audience. Don't throw it away straight away. If it doesn't connect to a different night, then maybe try it a third time. And if it doesn't, then, yeah, yeah, you know, okay. then probably you have. So you'd rather you'd probably just, need to rewrite you'd, it. Oh right, you you. Um, and that, I think that's more. That was more what I was sort of getting to not not um, letting go of any uh, firm moral viewpoints that you hold. It's just that would you you would tweak your writing style if you if something clearly wasn't working. You wouldn't, for instance, blame the idiot audience. You would <laughs> you would walk away and try and yeah. try and change things. I think yeah uh, yeah it depends. I mean, it's awkward in terms of thinking whether it's this is a first-time poet or yeah. whether whether this is someone who's done it a lot, you know. Um, well, no, no. It's, this is a, a question to you. I mean, this is how things affect you. I, I think these sort of questions are. I don't know if they. You can... do, do the audience affect my writing? I mean, in terms of. In terms of delivery, in terms of like you know, occasion, yeah. In terms of empathy. Yes, but of the issues I write about, no. Mm. I'm not worried that I'm going to find an audience that is full of people who write yeah, about gay issues, yeah, yeah. you know, or, some, or something like that. Yeah. Okay, um, so we finally get the chance to talk about Patricia a little bit ahead. Yeah. <laughs> so you were up at um, Edinburgh Fringe in August. So can I just add on to yeah. that last bit? Yes. Like, if they are an audience who aren't going to connect with something like um, that I'm writing, that I've written about mm. gay issues, such, that is my job to create a sense of empathy through my emotional truth and through my honesty, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. performing in front yeah, of them yeah. to change their minds. Mm. And that's the power of spoken word, yeah, in yeah. a way. Um, yeah, so that's... That's no, a, a good point to make. It's... Um, 
I think the reason I ask that question is because I don't think everyone has that same viewpoint. Yeah. And I don't, I, it, I, do, I do think that some people do need to change their writing styles in order to get their point across more, you know, not to. Yeah, you might just, I mean, yeah, do that. I mean, it's a very, very, it's a vast and complex question. I mean, sometimes, and not every poem is going to be the same, and no, not no, every no. poem is going to be under the same writing style, and sometimes maybe I would need to change my writing style for, for something. Maybe I've written, I've written a lot of bad poems in my yeah. time, you know, like, that haven't, or that haven't, haven't connected, you know, but has that maybe changed things? Um, it depends upon. I think any writer is going to be, you know, multifaceted and polyhued and mm. have a lot of different approaches and different styles and you know, kind of like swirling yeah. rain clouds of, of that they that they can use, you know, and you know, and, and so hopefully another, you know, the, a collage of paints that you can use and you will dabble with lots yeah. of different things in your experimentation. Mm. Hopefully, so talking about dabbling with different things um if we could chat a bit about your trip up to the edinburgh fringe in august yeah. um so if you want to tell us a bit about that and how that went down um well <coughs> uh, first of all first of maybe just explain what you did up there and um, what was going on well i also wrote for the theater and i wrote these uh short monologues all each 10 minutes um, about contemporary LGBT characters, which I called the Fagash monologues, and they're all smokers. They all have like one scene in them in particular where they're where they're having a having a cigarette. Um, and one of them was uh, was created actually actually written a long time ago. It was um, in Christmas of last year when we set up a cabaret show at the same in Vogue, mm. and I needed to differentiate the cabaret show from Spoken Word London, which is held at the same venue. And I was like, well, how do I, and he still needs to host it, how do I differentiate? And so I came up with a drag alter ego, it's called, well, it's called Patricia Primarche. And uh, she's very cheap and she always keeps the uh, price tag on, she dresses only in Primark. <laughs> um, and, uh, and, the cab- and, I, and to introduce her, I wrote, this is how the monologue started, I wrote a okay. short monologue around her, um, which went very well. And, and it's so in Edinburgh, and so I, I performed them in London, I had them at the Landor Theatre first with some friends playing them and then I performed an RVT which you came mm. to very very kindly um, and and it got, got a really good crowd at RVT and a really good response um, and then I took them up to Edinburgh for a week and now we're in the process of filming them so we'll are see. you filming I'm yeah I mean now. yeah well we're filming one to show at another night which I run um, which is a kind of uh, community based gay night called let's talk about gay sex and drugs because there's I don't want to get sidetracked, but there are a lot of um, uh, drug use problems amongst the gay male, certain sections, yes, let me stress, yeah, yeah. of the gay male community in London at the moment. Um, so we set up a night for them to talk about it. And this night, if anyone's listening is interested in that, th- yeah. that, that's the title of the night, isn't it? They can find it on Facebook. Yeah, and, uh, it's, yeah it's quite memorable. Let's talk about gay sex and yeah, drugs. Yeah, yeah. Um, and on the, uh, we've actually got funding from a uh, a a, uh, a council in London to do a let's talk about LGBT sex and drugs. Because right. beforehand it was just gay men. Sure, yeah, now yeah, it's yeah. Uh, it's open to lesbians, gay men, yeah. bisexual, transgender. Yeah. If anyone doesn't know where LGBT is, you'd be surprised. <laughs> um, and. Um, and yeah, we're gonna we're gonna show one of these because one of these deals with drug issues, gay drug issues, yeah. gay men and drug issues, and we're gonna show one of them. At the, we're filming it to show one of them. At the, yeah, I, 
um, and an event. Um, I highly, and, highly recommend anyone listening to check it if you once this stuff goes out. Uh, the film, the film of these monologues, yeah. uh, they're really fantastic. Well, I'm working on the workplace monologues as well, which mm. is which is uh, more um, because I, yeah, as I said, I never never wanted to be like a, a. I think one of the lines of one of my poems is which I've done before that you've heard is I never wanted to be the gay poet with my gay poems. Yes, you know? yeah. and I didn't. I don't want to just write about LGBT issues. I'm more. I'm more interested in society in general. Mm. But right now, that's what I'm focusing on. So the workplace monologues are more about the kind of like corporate. Um, yeah. cold uh, capitalist well but they're also humorous and they're also comedic and yeah, um, and yeah they'll be they'll be should be ready next year no but I mean that's the thing about your writing and a lot of writing on, on these issues um, and uh, I just seen the, the fantastic Andrea Gibson in Stockholm who uh, is um Sort of talks about a lot of the similar a lot of similar issues, but what's at the heart of them is just the loneliness and rejection that people often feel, and the despair at not mm. being accepted by society. And that that isn't a, that isn't a sole, solely an issue mm. for minorities. You know, a huge amount of people live with that. You know, and that, and that's what came really came through from your the four mon- the monologues that you took to Edinburgh. It didn't matter that the um, the, the sexuality of the character, the main characters in all of them was mm. inconsequential on that level you know they were all just lonely yeah desperate people wanting to be loved by someone yeah. else you know and that isn't that's nothing to do with sexuality you know yeah um so they were, they, they were yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i guess you know, they, they, they are yeah they are all lonely people um but they they've done in a less people think they're going to come and be depressed no, no, no. <laughs> into, into morbid <laughs> uh, like a, a, a morbid uh, state um, they, they are, they're quite funny yes they are they're really to be yeah. But, yeah. yeah Patricia trash by trash yeah, yeah trash by trash <laughs> so yeah I did sorry I wasn't yeah. thinking that. I didn't mean it to sound, yeah. make it sound uh, yeah. it's not as depressing as but, my stuff they, uh, they got, <laughs> and they got they're generally quite optimistic I think yeah. as well in the, yeah definitely which is which is uh, my personal outlook on life. Yeah. Um, so we've come to our two final questions, which I think they may end up being the two final questions for every podcast, but we'll okay. see about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just depends whether I keep remembering to write them at the end of the paper. Uh, what or who has had the biggest influence on your writing and performing? And also, it, um, they, they can be separate um, mm-hmm. This is just the first question, by the way. They can be separate influences, but um, I suppose I'd be interested also if there's been any influences that overlapped the, the two. Yeah, I mean, I've always been a big influence. I mean, my writing is nothing like his, but when I studied T.S. T. S. Eliot in sixth form, um, The Wasteland and the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock and the Hollow Men, mm. you know, um, that, was, that was a huge influence. Um, I, I yeah, still do think he's he's uh, fantastic. Um, so in terms of like bigger influences, um, you know, I talk about pers- personal like you know yeah. connect connected influences. Sarah Kane is a fantastic playwright who, okay. who deals with a lot of issues in very succinct text. Mm. You know, um, she it's it's very pared down and and image based. Um, in there was this, and when I was seventeen or eighteen, which was probably you know a very um, uh, formative time for me, I was just coming out at that age. 
um, as bisexual first and mm. then, you know, on a, in a natural transition to gay. Um, there was this girl who I knew called Melissa Mary Finch who wrote the most amazing poetry and she inspired and she she was a member of DeviantArt I don't know if you remember DeviantArt which yes, was this, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this website for yeah. kind of like you know aspiring artists that's just full of teenagers yeah, full yeah, of yeah. their poetry yeah, yeah, their, yeah. their poetry and their, and, their, um, and I say just full of teenagers I mean it was, it was amazing and I thought uh, and everyone was doing self-expression mm. yeah, it was fantastic if it was still going and there were still people doing yeah. it now maybe we wouldn't live in such a cold-hearted <laughs> world um, but yeah she wrote the most amazing uh, 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 poetry and I loved it and that inspired me to try it myself even though I was writing prose like already um, and then we stayed we kind of like lost touch for a long time until like I'd been I'd finished all my studies and I'd been travelling in America and I was back in Bristol where I come from um, for Christmas and I was there for a couple of months after Christmas as well living at home uh, just deciding what to do and just before I was about to leave for Paris we went to on Valentine's Day or Valentine's Eve I met up with Melissa for a drink and we went to see this spoken word night on the nature of love at Bristol Vic. Mm. Um, and I never put this connection before until you asked me just now, but I, actually she inspired me to write poetry when I was 18, which I stopped doing for a while. Yeah. But then I went with her to see the spoken word night and it was the most amazing thing. There were people like Adam Cameling there, there was Johnny Fluffy Punk, there was... Uh, Rachel Rose Reed, mm. um, and they were all uh, talking, writing, doing spoken word about the nature of love, and I'd never seen it before. And I was like, I'd love to do something like this. Um, and then I left, uh, said goodbye to Melissa, went to Paris shortly after that, and started doing spoken word. Okay. So that was a that was that was my story of how I was influenced into. That's the most romantic. Um, Intro to this one, yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, that romantic, yeah, in a kind of like, in yeah, a, yeah in, in, even though I'm gay and it wasn't with a, <laughs> it's just romantic, no, no, just a romanticized through, idea of, like, uh, the idea of finding life. it, yeah. you know, like finding the words yeah. of, of having that, yeah, you know, that's 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 the thing as well, like, I mean, the gay men who hate women, I can't understand, you yeah, know, yeah, like yeah. A, a female friendship has been hugely important a male friendship and straight male friendship one of my my best friend in the world is is a is a, is a straight man so um yeah I, that's that's my personal um idea of of better harmony like how we can all stick together as well we're all just humans man exactly really exactly underneath that it's a social construct yeah, yeah i mean obviously sexuality is an innate thing but you know the 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 the, the, the concept of gay is yeah. a social construct you know like uh, yeah. we we could we could we could we could you know break free of these kind of um well, if, we were, if we were all allowed to exist on anchors. a spectrum mm. rather than being forced to take one side of anything it's, yeah. it just is divisive in, in politics or in, in mm. society it just doesn't make any sense that things are are left or right it just doesn't but then the power, yeah of course but if we all exist in in kind of harmony with one another the top-down power here but it doesn't work anymore yeah. um which is uh, some food for thought <laughs> And uh, okay, so this is the final question. So uh, this is really some tips for um, the listeners to this podcast, all um, four and a half of them, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> what or who, and this doesn't have to necessarily be spoken word, should uh, people go and check out? 
that's happening sort of now. We, oh. we, we could just. Um, I, well, it doesn't have to be in London to be in a. Okay. Um, well, I, I've been talking about it all the way through. Please come to Spokemore London. Yeah. We'd love to see you there. Um, Your Night, Silence Found a Tongue, is brilliant. I really enjoyed it when I was down there. I was featuring on it, but I, know, <laughs> but I really enjoyed it at uh, Cable Cafe. Um, Lunar Poetry, of course. Mm. Um, I've, I came for the first time last Sunday, and Hannah Gordon, who's a regular at Spoken Word London, uh, did a fantastic job. Forget what you heard up the road from, uh, from Spoken Word London, which is actually we clashed with when we started but they've they're now on a third Wednesday of the month at Ryan's Bar in Stoke Newington brilliant night run by Ricky Rick the the, the most uh, Livermore and uh, Matt Cummins um, who uh, and what else some of the people that come and perform I mean there's Andreas Bisto there's Hannah Gordon there's Jacob, uh, who's Silkward. Um, I would say Roger's Mystery is great. Lisa Lux does some fantastic stuff. Um, who runs Prowl House magazine. Um, uh, this is very off the top of my head. Uh, Richard Lionheart is amazing. Um, I've seen some people at the Poetry Cafe who are brilliant. Jay, I can't remember her second name. She's a transparent from the US. She's... Okay. Um, Jai something um, and we see amazing people at Spoken Word all the time like mm. uh, yeah it's um, there, there, I, there's too many to list I think um, but yeah who, Roberta Francis actually is a trans mid middle aged transsexual uh, male to female Irish poet who has done some of the most effective... Like, one of the lines that she... She read it last week on Red London, and one of her lines is about receiving abuse in the street and because as, as she walks past by, like, young, straight uh, males. Um, and and she wants to turn around and say, do you know how brave I am? And that, yeah, yeah. That, 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 and it's like, yeah, she is brave. I think people should go and see her. And yourself, of course. Well, you're very kind of that. Um, and on that... Bomb show of how amazing I am. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, that's it. We're going to wrap up um, to say thank you once more to Pat Cash and get yourself down to Spoken Word London at Vogue Fabrics on Stoke Newton Road. Uh, yeah, 66 Stoke Newington Road. Um, it's just it's on Kingsdown Road as it morphs into Stoke Newington Road. Yeah, but um, you can find it on Facebook. Um, Facebook.com forward slash Spoken Word London. Yeah. And Dark Fabrics is the cabaret night? Dark Fabrics cabaret night, yeah, is every two months. And, and our next let's one's talk about... Gay Sex and Drugs is monthly um, on the second Monday of the month in Soho. And is, you write regularly for GX? Uh, for QX. QX, sorry. Yeah. And I write for Attitude as well. And, and for Attitude. And Star and Huffington Post. So there is absolutely no excuse to find Pat. Um, thank you very much, Pat. It's been... Uh, Great chatting. Uh, yeah, no, thank you. No, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. Been, yeah, it's been been really fascinating. I hope I haven't motored on too much. No, it was perfect. Um, it you really outshone my lack of preparation. I want to joke it right. Uh, this is uh, Luna Poetry, and that was the podcast. Bye. <laughs>